0: to Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino, and today I'm joined by Linda Leenstra. She is an advocate from New Jersey. Um, As many of you know who watch on a regular basis, my whole reason for doing Hashtag No Limits is because Ophelia says in Hamlet that we know who we are, but not who we will become. And I completely believe in that 100%. And the thing that symbolizes that the most to me is the caterpillar turning into the butterfly the caterpillar literally dissolves into cells and then reforms itself into the butterfly. Then that butterfly has to struggle and has to fight to get out of the cocoon in order for its wings to be strong enough to be able to fly and to get away from danger. Our lives are like that when we are up against struggles. Currently, many people in the world of special education are in that struggle right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic that is rampant across our country. And I've brought Linda in because Linda has um, a very strong personality. And because she is (laughs) in New Jersey, um, what she is facing versus what I'm facing here in Illinois and some of my clients around the country are very different, but they're also pretty similar in the sense that there are a lot of limits trying to be placed on our students with special needs right now. So, Linda, thank you for joining me. I know we tried to do this last week and you had something come up, so I appreciate you rescheduling. So, Linda, tell us about yourself and and how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, first, Shelly, thank you for having me, and uh, it's great to be able to talk to you (laughs) face-to-face. And I love your butterfly motifs. They're wonderful. Um, I am or have become uh, a special education advocate slash tutor slash behaviorist. I kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, I started out with a special education degree. I'm certified as a special education teacher uh, in the state of New Jersey, and I have taught in uh, both public and private educational facilities, and the struggle I found was that I'm very child-centered, and I could not focus on um, the children that I was working with because of all the restrictions and the red tape. Uh, I, I got in trouble. I got fired. I, mean, I tell all my clients that call me, listen, this is why I'm here. I got I literally got thrown out of schools because I asked for too many supplies. I told parents too much. Um, And and then uh, quickly realized that uh, it wasn't an environment that I could work in, but then found my niche and my purpose in life and why the good Lord put me on uh, on this earth. And that was to help parents of uh, special needs children. I mean, it's important to note, too, though. I mean, eh, my age, I don't want to talk about. But when I started (laughs) in special education, special education was physical disabilities. And as it has evolved, it's become more of a uh, mental, psychological, you know, the physical disability, it's all, it's such a big spectrum now, special education is just very different. And uh, I found that no matter where you are, public or private school, uh, institutions, um, uh, local, public, go away, sleep away, whatever parents have really no voice and don't really know what's going on. Uh, They get handed the prize book, uh, P-R-I-S-E, which is the Parents' Rights in Special Education, right? Um, And I call it the P-R-I-Z-E, here's your prize, you have a child in special education. (laughs) uh, Because they're like, wow, I don't know what any of this in here means. Right. And um, I came to be an advocate from my education in special education, of course, uh, we, we go over to laws and the rights of individuals uh, under the IDEA, right, the Individuals Disability Education Act. Um, and when I kind of stepped out of teaching and said, oh, I can't function in this realm, but I, I can help these parents because I've already been telling them too much, it, it, whether it was their rights in education, Or educationally, what should they do for their child? Because many years I worked with uh, children on the spectrum and uh, was involved a lot in ABA therapy, which is a behavioral therapy Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. targeted towards those on the autism spectrum. And I would explain what these parents are supposed to do because, you know, they'd say, well, I hear a lot about ABA and this is what he's doing in school, but I have no idea what that is. You know, so I'm like making pecs and telling parents what they should do and things like that. And, uh, and that's what I realized. They, they just don't have the knowledge that they need. So how could I give that to them? Well, the first thing was I needed to really dig into the statutes, laws, background in the prize book, which is this, this thick. Mm-hmm. But what it represents is unbelievable amount of case law right. and okay. uh, rights and, and things for the disabled. So I really I really dug into that. And then I looked like, what, where do I get more education for this? And I, I found, again, my age comes into play where there wasn't a whole lot out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it still isn't a certified position. Kind of hope that stays that way, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, we, we don't want people in the field that don't know what they're doing. But at the same time, we, we don't need any more licensing. Uh, especially in special ed, we've got enough of that, which was the reason why I got out of teaching so anyway yeah I looked up a couple different websites I got I got hooked into some schools where I was you know for a year every Saturday I'm taking classes and I'm answering questions and I'm taking tests and then I started realizing okay who is this who's teaching me this because uh I'm answering these questions I'm turning in tests and they're telling me I'm wrong and I'm like no I know this is the law and I know this is how it goes and now these are the people who are supposed to be teaching me the laws of special education and now I'm questioning the school that I'm at, right? Uh, who's going to certify me as a special education advocate. And uh, so I did my research and I did my work and I did my reading. An advocate is just shy of being a lawyer. Um, we're reading all of those case laws. You know, Shelley, I'm sure you've been through it. You know, yeah. what, what does FAPE mean? What, you know, all the alphabet of IB, I, I, of special education, the IEP. And so I know you have, I have, um, and and we both met through Catherine Witcher uh, and the AEP uh, Master Coach program, which turned out to be uh, the, the, the only legitimate program I found in, in 20 years, to tell you the truth. That's she's awesome. Doing, she's doing a great job. And now mm-hmm. I'm referring people to her, um, you know, and, and, and it's just a great network for everybody. So that's kind of how i wound up here that's how i got my education so to speak i'm Mm -hmm. self-taught but if i really go back to my my own upbringing as a child uh with uh either advocacy or or the behavioral work that i do because i i do aba therapy in the homes i do tutor um is that i was one of these kids okay Back in my day, we didn't get classified as such. There wasn't the ADHD. There wasn't um, inattentive this and that and uh, bipolar and personality disorders or whatever you want to come up with. I didn't have a physical disability. I wound up being a class clown. I have my eighth grade yearbook. I can prove it. (laughs) (laughs) Class clown, you know. And uh, why? Because I didn't learn within the constructs of the box. I learned in a different way. I sat many evenings at the dinner table with my parents yelling at me, what is wrong with you? Because I couldn't do my math. And I gotta tell you, till I was 30, 40 something, I was still saying that in my own head. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Uh, So now I'm working with these kids who are hearing this and they're turning off and they're becoming the class clown or they have behaviors. And um, I'm able to go in and meet them at their level because I was there. I know what they're feeling. All right. So I missed out on a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff. I got kicked out of this. I couldn't do that. I was a wise guy, whatever. Because again, I didn't fit into the box. I didn't learn the math. I learned so much math, more math, through teaching math Mm -hmm. than I ever learned as a student. Because now I have to find the way that This child learns, not the way I learn. And I I make a point with my students, too. You know, um, how'd you get that answer? You know, you know why the teacher wants you to show your answer? Because they want to see how you got it. And uh, when I'm when I'm tutoring and doing math, I'll say, how'd you get that? Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't get it that way. Here's how I got it. Because the way God created us is all individual. Absolutely. We, all, we all do things in a different way. We look different, we walk different, we talk different, we have different eyes and hair color, um, skin color, whatever and we learn differently, okay? And that was the big struggle, everybody getting put in a box. So I think it's important uh, for kids to have mentors too, you know, and tutors. And so that's what I strive for uh, with my families that I work with and help them uh, become a better advocate that's, that's one of my catch lines when I, you know, they call for a consultation. I'll say, My job is to work my way out of a job mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. making you the best advocate you can be. And why right, is that? Right. Because you live with this person. Absolutely. You know, you're Absolutely. always going to have this disability in your family, which is another point. Your child is not disabled, your family's disabled or, or differently abled. Right. Okay? right. And they say, Fix my child. There's nothing wrong with your child. Nope. We need to fix the environment that is interacting with them. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I don't know. Did you see the 60 minutes thing a couple of weeks ago with uh, um, NASA and whatnot now hiring people on the spectrum? Because they're recognizing uh, the special abilities that they hold and pulling them out and u- utilizing them in uh, oh, NASA's programming mm-hmm. and, and other industries. Uh, and there was a couple of fellas that, or this one boy that came up with a process That was like way over my head, engineering, math, and what have you, but because he had mine for that, and now they're using his program in the NASA program, so it was just um, fantastic to see, really. That that, is uh, is fabulous. I just wrote
0: um, something earlier today that I was actually a little surprised by. Um, I've been hearing for years that the statistic is one in 26 families has someone in it with special needs, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was... In the United States, or if that was worldwide, so I looked it up today actually, and it's fifteen percent of the world's population experience some sort of disability. It doesn't have to be intellectual; it can be physical. Um, it, you know, and to be perfectly honest, at one point they were including um, in some research that I had done anybody who needs glasses yeah. as having a disability.
1: Yeah, that's the and. Thing.
0: I actually look at that as you know when I'm talking to families um, about their child and, and accommodations. You know, they, I often hear them say that they want their child to grow out of needing those accommodations or needing that IEP. Which I understand mm-hmm. what the feeling is behind that, but I, I I just refer them to glasses. You know, glasses are right. an accommodation. I didn't have an IEP to have them, but they are an accommodation, and unless I have a surgery or God miraculously heals my eyes, I'm always going to need the accommodation of something to help my vision, whether it's contacts or glasses, or like I said, some sort of surgery. So um, we we have to be aware of all the accommodations that are out there for everyone, um, especially when it's a significant amount of our population of our world i mean 15% that's that's nothing to yeah. to blink about
1: well um, but i mean it, you know kind of it kind of gets into the realm of what's going on in the world today too uh mm-hmm. with um um uh, i don't you but as far as disability i, I really don't like that term right. either um but yeah hey when i Different started abilities. it was retarded so you know people people take offense to a lot of these terms and differently uh differently abled is I think is the best because we all need a little help Mm -hmm. and I uh, my own personal experience didn't figure out how to do things or how do I learn until I went to college which was a shock to my family you want to go to college you know back then girls didn't go to college and what for Mm -hmm. special ed what's that okay um Mm -hmm. but that's how I figured out on my own How do I do things to survive in the world? Um, You know, color coding things, filing things, making sticky notes. How do we organize? Organization is a big thing for me. Um, And if I can put things in a certain uh, file drawer in my head and organize things in a certain way. But I had to figure this out on my own. Today's Mm -hmm. kids, I think, have it a little bit better because we do have special education teachers. And our special education teachers are educated in these uh, techniques uh, so that, you know, what what might work for your average child or your normal, a, a narrow, typical, whatever word you want to use um, doesn't work for everybody. OK, so what does work for you and Quite what by. works for you in math doesn't work for you in language art. Okay? Exactly. Um, even even though I might have a processing problem with numbers does not mean I'm going to have the same processing uh, difficulty in language arts or science. Right. Uh, right. You know, so I, that's what's so important about these IEPs. And they have to absolutely have to lean on that eye and be individualized, which is a big problem. in, yeah. in today's yeah. schools that they are not individualized, they wind up being cookie cutters. In my first consultation, I'll say, "Let me see your IEP," and usually within twenty minutes, I can pick out a dozen problems with the IEP. And specifically, it's not individualized to what you've told me your child does or needs or what their characteristics are. You know, my my um my my children. I have a, a daughter and a son. They're grown. They're married. They they have they're homeowners. They have jobs. I put that on my resume. I consider that a plus. uh, I would go to the school conference and the teachers would tell me, oh, you don't have to come. Your child's doing wonderfully. I said, no, I'm here to tell you that my daughter will take an extended Christmas break. So when she's not handing things in in January or February, we need to do something about that so that she's not, you know, all of a sudden failing in March. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you very much. That's a good thing to know. So, you know, everybody has their own little thing. Even, you know, even even the uh, what do you call it? The, the, the valedictorian. Right. And the, you know, what they so-called smartest kid in class. You know, how many of us are actually doing what we actually went to school for? And uh, what I found, you know, when I went back to school or a football game a few years after being in college. Those kids that things came easy. Kind of dropped out or was really finding it tough because now. They were in a system that worked for them, and now they're not. They're in an individualized system, and and things aren't so easy. So, uh, if your child is struggling in life right now, where they're at, what do we need to do to get them a place where they're not struggling? And look at look at everything that's in the fridge, not just the mayonnaise. You know, it's like, right. It's like right. making a grocery list, right? Exactly. My, my husband, if it's not on the list, he doesn't get it. <laughs> okay. But you as the parent, you know, or the mom, I know we need I know we need cheese because I was cooking a meal the other day. We we pick we tend to pick up more things as moms. You yeah. know, and I, I don't I don't want to leave out those stay-at-home dads or those dads that are on top of the grocery list. But it comes out the same kind of thing, if I can make an analogy, that you know your child, you know what your child needs. So, you know, this is a team effort. OK, I got to come in and tell you, you know, you think my child's going to be fine. You don't have to come talk to me. Yes, I do, because I know my child's characteristics right. you may consider right. it a minor thing. But I know come March, it's going to be a bigger thing. OK, so let's get ahead right. of and let's work together as to what we can do. And I know that's a little bit simplified when we look at the overall picture of an IEP. But it can be that easy and parents get a little bit. Um, panicky and paranoid about it you know there's a lot of parts a lot of parts to it and uh it shouldn't have to be an argument and uh what what i think i think i've I've gotten so many emails and references from one thing that i tell parents and if nobody gets anything out of all the jibber jabber that i throw out here today because you know i am i am long-winded i play the bagpipes um <laughs> and she does it beautifully <laughs> uh it's this when when you're told something from the school when you get a letter an email and i tell them i don't care if you're standing in the grocery line at shoprite or your local amp whatever store it is and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says oh let me tell you about johnny right whenever you have an interaction with a school uh personnel, you should summarize that interaction and say, dear Miss So-and-so, whoever you're addressing, um, as per our conversation at the ACME at two o'clock on Thursday, this is my understanding of what you were saying to me. And then summarize that, okay? And put it in your own words as to what you understand, what they're trying to tell you. Then we're not just going to mail that to the one person we're addressing. I want you to email that and copy a minimum of two other people okay I call it the rule of three um, send that to at least three people the person you're addressing and if your child has an IEP, two other people on the team or the head of your building, counselor, whatever not the lunch lady unless it involves the lunchroom you know but a minimum of three people, OK. And what does that do? I've had people write to me. Uh, the most important thing I've ever heard was the rule of three from Linda. OK. Um, what does that mean? What does that do for you? OK. Number one, it, it tells that person how much of the conversation you got understood what it meant. OK. Uh, how you saw it, because we don't all see things from the same perspective. You're looking at it as the parent, the person that you're talking to, maybe looking at it as a school employee, board of ed, public servant, teacher, whatever their position is. Um, Provide accountability. You've now stated what you understand transpired or what the teacher told you on the phone or even what the email meant. Okay, and you're telling them what you think was said. The accountability, when you send it to three different people, now not just one person is giving you their advice or telling you what you should do or what you can do, okay? Because some people do go rogue, okay? Uh, Your teacher might be telling you something that's not true or your case manager or whatever. And if we send it to three people, well, now maybe the building principal gets involved and goes to that counselor and says, hey, what's this going on with Miss Smith? And what did you tell her? And why did you tell her that? Or that's not true. So there's some kind of accountability. Yep. The other thing is timelines are a big deal in special ed and the rights and laws. When you send um, correspondence, and I say email because now it's time and date stamped. We don't have to mail everything certified anymore. Okay. And you always want to make sure your- it's
0: it's, it's not written. It's not going to happen.
1: Exactly. Um, but we start the clock too. All right. Um, if you said, okay, I understand what you said about Johnny, but maybe we should evaluate him. And that's in there. Okay. Now you're starting a clock. You've made a request, which they have so many days to answer. And then another so many days to respond or act upon. Right. So that when those days, expire now i don't want a number of days because the different states have different numbers going on but everybody has a timeline right um but as an advocate okay now we sent that and now i'm going to say hey you know those that number of days is up maybe we should send them a reminder have you heard anything from them and we follow up and 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 that's where you can start you know throwing out some of your laws and things listen According to the IDEA, according to the prize book that you gave me, um, I should have gotten an answer or something should have been acted upon or what are we going to do here? Kind okay. of thing. So we start a timeline. So just that one rule of three covers so many different things. You know, you get accountability, you start a timeline, you're supposed to get an answer because even if what you said or what you understood is incorrect. It's now the ball is in their court. They need to correct you and say, Oh, no, no, Mrs. Smith, that's not what I meant. I meant this. Okay. Because if that's the case and they didn't answer you, what is written is what is so. So, you know, down down the line, we have a a paper trail so that if you have to go in front of a judge, now we can go, Judge, listen, I wrote this to them. I said this to her. Uh, She didn't say I was wrong or I asked for this. I didn't do anything about it. You know maybe we're six months down the line now we're still asking for the same thing mm-hmm. so that's important message to parents. if there's one thing i would say is like really huge as an advocate that i want parents to know summarize everything send it to three people
0: yeah and i and I absolutely agree with that. There's a couple things that you have mentioned that I want to touch on. um the the definitely the emailing right now, especially with right. this remote learning, there is so much confusion and um, misunderstanding and just
1: well, there's so many emails flying around.
0: Well, there are. There are cool. that. But also just the, you know, I mean, we're getting regulations from our federal government. States are telling their state districts, I mean, this districts within their state, you know, do this, don't do this. But the federal rule is still what applies for 90 percent or 95 percent because there right, but we thinking, can't we can't
1: act on it because we're all social distancing or right. we're acting on it differently.
0: Right. Right. And okay. there's. And, the, and as far as the, the federal rule, I mean, there are some parts of the IDEA that say, you know, this is the rule unless the state does this. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying like, you know, 90, 95 percent, the federal law is the law of the land. Right. And but yet, you know, you have states that are in districts and, and co-ops and, um, you know, special ed co-ops that are saying, no, you just have to do this. Well, there's a lot of confusion right now. So emailing those three people and and verifying hey this is what I think this is this is what I understood just like you said is so so important because we do need to have that paper trail especially right now
1: yeah, oh yeah.
0: and we we do I mean the schools around me and I can only speak for the schools around me are really attempting to work with all students in the district as far as internet access and you know, if there's a child with an IEP trying to reasonably accommodate and, and offer options as far as, you know, if the schools are in person, but your you know, your child has a medical concern or someone in your family has a medical concern, you know, we're offering a hybrid situation. Right. And then there are some places that are like, no, nope, you know, our zone in our state is on this level and everything's remote, you know, I mean, and, and so it's a very fluid Situation right now, which is difficult in in and of itself. It's a brand new. I mean, even though this started in the spring, it's still brand new as far as how do we actually go about things. What we don't have any legal cases as precedents for. This is this is what the court said. Yeah, you know, because in and like you said earlier, Linda, you know, we are not lawyers. Um. Some advocates don't know as much about the law. You and I, I feel, um, I mean, you've studied it probably more extensively than I have just because I was a special education teacher and I love, I thought about being a lawyer. So I had, you know, gotten into the special education law a little bit more. Um, so I do kind of want to caveat that, that not all advocates are as thoroughly invested in knowing the law as maybe what you and I are?
1: No, well, um, and I, have, I do have lawyers that specialize in special education that I refer to mm-hmm. uh, when I have a question and say, hey, uh, about the law, and right. he can confirm or deny or educate me as to that. But by the same token, when he gets a client that comes in and he says, okay, well, we're not at the let's go to court place yet, Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure about the um, implications from the IDEA. Okay, so he refers them to me because I know educationally more the steps that are involved. Um, When I talk to parents and they say, listen, I'm calling you because I have this problem. I said, well, what's your end goal? What is it that you want from me? Why are you calling me? And they'll say, "Okay, well, you know, uh, a situation. I want my child to go to this private school over here. Okay, because I don't think this school is doing what he needs. Okay, so that's your end goal. So I'll say, um, let's say that's D. Okay, the law says you need to do A, B, and C before you can ask for D. So if you've already asked for D, we need to back up and look at your A. Was it done? Was it done properly? Did it get to where it's going? What's B? Oh, you skipped C, so we got to back up. Okay. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and these are the steps that educationally about the idea and the steps in special education that um adhere to an uh iep team and and the requirements that they are uh mandated or t- directed to um this is what we have to do with the parents and parents are like i just want them in that school now mm-hmm. okay and, you know there's a timeline we have to right. figure out done where are we and we know that d is what we want how long will it take to get there what should we do we need to back up did you write this letter do we didn't need to do that did he get this evaluation so that's what an advocate is going to do for you Mm -hmm. he's going to sift through what you want and how to get there what have what has been done already and fill in the gaps okay um a lot of schools districts or you know it's getting better but you know when i first started uh, if you come in as an advocate, first of all, the word advocate, wow, you know, the red flags start going up for them mm-hmm. and and, and, they, and they get on the, you know, uh, we're not talking to you kind of thing. So that's why I've kind of, you know, we start identifying ourselves as coaches mm-hmm. because advocate, mm-hmm. the word advocate leans more towards law, which we are not. We're not lawyers. Uh, so I'm here to coach the family as far as what they need to do or help them understand. You know, when we're in an IEP meeting and they start sell, throwing those alphabet letters at everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see the parents' eyes glaze over, I'll, I'll say, just a minute, you know that FAPE means free and public education, right? And the parent, oh, I didn't know that. I just kind of, you know, was afraid to say I didn't know that. Right. Right. Uh, so that's what an advocate does. We're gonna sift through, where are you? What have you done? What do you need to do what does this mean but we're going to keep your goal in mind you're going to tell me what do you want why did you call me why why okay. can you not get from them what you need you need some help you need you know the other thing is parents it's emotional i will tell parents listen from what you've told me this is what you need to do you got to write a letter um off the top of my head again <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, letter um requesting evaluations okay and uh oh i can i can write a letter i said okay well you go ahead and write that letter but before you send it send it to me and i'll take a look at it so you, you, you can save money with an advocate by trying to do the work yourself and like mm-hmm. i said before i want to make you the best advocate so i want to you you'd have that opportunity Uh, But you're not there yet. That's why you called me. So send it to me. And usually nine times out of 10, I look at it and go, okay, I understand. I know what you want and I understand what you're saying, but paragraph two, four, and six need to come out because they're emotions. They're all about how you feel about your child and, you know, Depending on your age, dragnet was, uh, is one of my favorite <laughs> things. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, okay? Right. Uh, with the school systems, it's just the facts we need. An advocate's going to take out the emotionality that's involved because you're you're the parent. But hey, as an advocate, I guess so. I, I lose sleep over my family. I really do, right? Uh, because okay. of the injustice of what what happens with some of them, and that again, that's why I'm doing what I do. Um. So. We've got got to fill in the gaps, but we're going to help you show you how to fill in the gap. Instead of saying this sounds like an attack, let's word it this way. Mm -hmm, Okay? mm -hmm. And and then that's what an advocate does, is help you navigate and help you become better at, you know, I don't write letters. So they might say, you do it. Okay, but I'm going to write the letter, and I'm going to send it to you, and you're going to send it in. But you look at it. Is this what you want to say? You know, over, over the course of doing that, they start to understand what the process is. How should they say things? You know? How how should we know about it?
0: The other thing that I wanted to mention about what you've been talking about is um, we just call it the procedural rights and safeguards, the prize book that you talked about. We're not helping. We're not finding any information that's not in those documents. Exactly. We are just pulling out, hey you know, this section right here is what applies to you right now. Yes. Um, So, you know, we're not there trying to trip up the schools or, you know, as coaches, especially, we are trying to build bridges because every one of the families that we work with has had either years behind them or years ahead of them of relationship with this school because our children don't just go once and done you know they they can go for up to you know age 20 22 more, yeah. so you know we want to make sure that that as as coaches we are collaborating and and, mediating. Order, and mediating and yeah. what you were talking about of of um taking the emotion out and just the facts is data you know having the data that each person needs to justify and that, that data to justify is from the school district and from you. Right. So if the school district wants to do something and you're not quite on board and not understanding why, they should have data to say to you and to show you, hey, we've seen, you know, that we've been taking this data for the first month of school and 38 times in 20 days, your child has exhibited... Blah, 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 blah. And and we feel that this is a problem and we need to address this.
1: Well, and as an advocate, we know how to show you how to ask for that too. Right. If it's missing or they're not willing or they're not collecting it. Right.
0: And oftentimes that's where I'm finding schools don't quite understand right. what it means to keep data for IEP goals. Um, I'm finding them, you know, handing the grade cards out and saying, well, I sent the progress report home and it says, you know, that the child did this to a sufficient level. Well, what does sufficient mean? Right. What does a grade mean? You know, if you have a goal for your child that says that they're going to improve their comprehension by understanding cause and effect, inference, main idea, detail, And they're going to be able to summarize, and that's all written in one goal. That's okay as long as when they take the data on it, they are showing you, oh, for cause and effect, they got an 85% with that. But for inference, they're only at 20%. Mm -hmm. You can't just take a grade that says, oh, well, they're doing 80% in language
1: arts. They're doing fine. Well, and there's so many different components to that one goal. Exactly. OK, so that really they probably they need to break down into each one of those components breaks down into its own goal.
0: It could. Uh, or like I said, know, if or the, if we the data it is there, take out
1: what's successful or whatever. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Either either way is fine. Mm-hmm. I know for this area, they like to throw all that into one goal. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah um,
0: and so I'm I'm like, that's fine. But your data still has to show me each of those components.
1: Yeah, or they want to eliminate a goal because the child has achieved it. It's satisfactory, so we're going to take that one out. Well, right. I need to see the evidence. You need to show me because you want to take that out. But Susie's still coming home, and I'm looking at her writing. She's got no punctuation. She's not capitalizing in the right places. And you're telling me the language arts goal we can she's achieved that. Right. Okay. So uh, right. I need your evidence because my evidence is not showing me that.
0: Right. Absolutely. And grade level. Here yeah. Here in Illinois, our um, guidance from our Department of Education in Illinois says that state standards are supposed to be considered when writing goals and objectives. Right. So how many schools in this area have interpreted that is you have to write a goal that is the state standard. So if you, so for example, if you have a child who's in third grade, but they're only doing first grade level work. These school districts are writing third grade standards. They're not adjusting them, but they're like, well, it has it it goes along with the third grade, because that's where the child is.
1: No, No, and that's the no child left behind rule kind of gets tangled up in that. Right. Because we're moving everybody chronologically along. Okay. But academically they're not in the same place. Right. Like how do we, so, know. yeah.
0: So, so that's been a struggle of mine lately is trying to get teachers to understand that word considered is just like when we get an outside evaluation from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a doctor, we consider that information. It doesn't automatically go into the IEP, mm-hmm. but because they've been told by whomever that they're supposed to, you know, have their goals aligned with the state standards, that's how they're writing them and it's like no. And so that's that's something again that you and I would know by the verbiage. Right. Where that information comes from and where we can say to these school districts this isn't quite how this is written. Show me the policy of where you're getting this is how it has to be. And then we can discuss that and we can, you know, work that through. Um, I've had some situations where school districts have said, "Well, that's our policy." Okay, we'll show me that policy. They've shown yes. me a policy, and it is nothing yeah. like what they said the policy told them to do. Right. Um, but at least they they were able to pull a policy most of the time. That's when <laughs> I ask to see the policy. They're like, "Well, I'll have to get that for you, or I'll right. have to look that up, or uh, you know."
1: That's yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> the ball, yeah. it's our policy. Okay, I need to see it. Yeah. Oh, right now, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, right now, we can't move forward. I mean, I had, uh, I've had, i had kids. Uh, it, 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 it's almost sinful. I've had kids removed from schools for the behavioral. In the world that we're living in right now, they're calling police. They're calling ambulances on first and second grade children having yeah. a behavior. And then the policy is you can't come back to our school unless you've had them psychologically evaluated and you have to come to a, uh, a reentry meeting. And I'm like, where's that? You need to show me uh, where this reentry meeting and I, you need to ask the school for the policy. And where is it written? Uh, because, you know, your child is special needs or has an IEP that doesn't apply. There's a manifestation determination meeting. And, you know, so now we're getting all kinds of technical and parent. Embarrass- we might lose our audience here, Shelly, with, with some <laughs> of <this. laughs> I'm sure. But uh, just to know that that that's that's the knowledge you're going to get to get an IEP coach or an advocate and, you know, uh, not to toot our own horns, but the best person for that is someone who's been there, done that, been right. in the trenches um, and, and you know, has come up as as you and I have as teachers of special education. Uh, because we we've kind of seen it we've seen it happen. We've seen what's going on and uh, you know I, I, I the other thing is I, I called you because I want a hired gun, okay And I'm like, well, you know I'm tough and I, I can scare people and you know I can I can pretty much talk my way around any situation. <laughs> but that's not that's not my intent. My intent is to mediate and get what's what's appropriate for your child. Now, having said that, ha- I've had clients that wanted the candy store when their child just needed a gobstopper kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know, um, or a Jolly Rancher. Gobstoppers might be showing my age, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Some sort of hard candy. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. I want my kid to have this, I want them to have that, and I want them to have this, and I want them to have that. Well, why? You know, what's your reasoning? Because you can't you can't go in there and and demand of the school all these things. And the school is saying, well, your child didn't evaluate for those things. You know, we did the assessment. He doesn't he doesn't need that. Okay, but what he does need is this. And so I'm going to advocate for your child. I'm not going to be your hired gun. And I think it's important for parents to know, too, that, you know, there, there are two sides to this. The schools, they, they uh, operate under certain guidelines, procedures, uh, and the law as, as best they understand it, okay? And the parents have to operate under the same thing. Uh, and quite frankly, on both sides in that book that states the codes and the statutes and the law behind everything, it just gives you a number and a paragraph uh, where you can find the law. Uh, but to, to, to pull the case out and read about what happened in that, it's a full-time job, okay? <laughs> you and I have done some of that. So that's how we know what, what law or what right would best fit your case. So on both sides, you don't have that information, but we really don't even have to go there. You know, a lot of parents want to say, what law is that? Can you cite a law? Can you tell them they're wrong because of this? And we don't need to do that. We don't want to be adversarial. Right. You know, we want to work with the school. Like you said before, your child has to go through this entire system. That teacher that they're working with now in second grade might wind up being the high school teacher later on. You don't know. People get moved around. They have different talents and different certifications. Uh, So you you don't want to you don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to be adversarial and and, and, uh, form enemies. You want to get the most appropriate services for your child and that's a key word that's a huge word appropriate Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. appropriate it's not what does your it's what you know the law states what your child needs okay um not what he's entitled to not what he should have it's what the disability what he needs for his disability or her disability and uh you know that that's where an advocate we can we can slow parents down and let's take a step back. Let's take a look. And, um, having someone who's been in the field, I can look at your child's evaluations and say, okay, um, I understand what you're saying, but when I look at these evaluations that they did, it's not showing that he needs that. So the school may be in the right here, you know, so let's take a look at it. Why do you want the other? And you don't want to restrict your child by giving him more than he needs. Uh, Then we get into the LRE, which is Least Restricted Environment. And that's, you know, another. It's all about interpretation with some of these things. Um, But. I think it I think it's I think it's a good thing for parents to have advocates. Can they always afford advocates? No, Uh, I do pro bono so many cases per year, as do lawyers. Um, A lot of people don't realize that. Every district and here in our state, every district or county has an advocate for parents and really nobody I've come across knew that. Um, But then the problem becomes the advocate for the county or the district uh, is also employed by them. So how does that work? You know, it's it's working. You get the knowledge. Knowing that, though, contacting someone like you or me by Facebook, on our website. Uh, we're here to make your life easier, better, uh, to make your child more successful. So, and I think myself, I know. Uh, I give away too much information for free. And I'm probably sure you do uh too. And you know, we we know Catherine does, we've seen it. Uh, wow. if you hook up with anybody on the master IEP coach list, I think we all come from the same makeup or of the same mind that our hearts are for our clients and for this population that is called special needs.
0: Yeah. yeah, To get the information
1: into parents' hands, you know?
0: Yeah. I would say you and I are in the minority as far as who have gone in and taken the master IEP coach courses because we are, and by that I mean that we're teachers. There Mm -hmm. there are more and more teachers, admins and therapists joining all the time. But I would say 75 to 80%, if not even higher, are parents, Our
1: parents who, who want
0: it. to know how to advocate for their children and the systems. Right. And, you know, right now we're, we're really at a good place. I know it doesn't feel yeah. like a good place, but we really are because all of education has been flipped upside down mm-hmm. and we have an opportunity to go in and say you know this isn't working, and we've been saying that for years. But now everybody sees that it's mm-hmm. not working because education has been massively openly exposed. You know, there we are seeing yeah, time. a lot of of things that did, we didn't even know were issues, um, and and so there are new ways to go about doing things now. We're we're having we're being forced to find those new ways to figure out how to reach more than 80% of our students, which was when I That's went right. through college, that was the golden number. If you can reach 80% of your students, every lesson that you teach, you're golden. Um, because one way of teaching typically only reaches 80% right. of the population. Right. Um And so, you know, just having to find all these extra resources, having to think outside the box of, I just need to use this one curriculum. Um, Research based and scientifically proven peer edited types of curriculum are amazing, but that's designed to reach 80% of the population. That other 20% make up your students with disabilities. And your slow learners who don't fit in the 80%, but don't qualify for an IEP. So, right.
1: yeah. And not everybody needs an IEP. I mean, there's exactly. the other programs. I mean, I was instrumental in starting a reading program in our grammar school. My children were small. It mm-hmm. was for, like, gray readers. The, the reading specialist was getting so many cases of kids that she couldn't keep up with them. Well, we instituted this, like, volunteer mentor program to work with these kids for 10 weeks just to give them the boost and the confidence that they needed to be a better reader. And just by simply meeting with a child for 10 weeks, giving them one-on-one attention, and we're all volunteer moms, we we eliminated more than 50% of the need for the reading specialist. Um, So, I mean, it was just incredible about what we can do. Now with the COVID situation, you know, everybody like so up in arms and frustrated and I can see the frustration. It's on both ends and, you know, just in tutoring uh, some of my students and I look at the Google Classroom and think, wow, I've learned so much about the Google platform mm-hmm. along with my students while I'm helping them, which is great. But at the same time, I see this as a plus. You know, teachers are learning new ways to teach. They're, they're learning, you know, where I have to say, listen, this child has a 504. We need to, um, you know, it's, it says modify his work. So if you're sending out six emails to this kid over here, this guy with the 504s, should only get like three. OK, we need to chill. You're like overrunning him with information. He okay. can't process it that fast. So there's an advantage there. We're learning uh, and we're able in real time to say to the teachers, listen, he's got this condition. Here's the paper that says you need to modify it. So let's do that. OK. They step back. The other the other plus about it is that I've been. Uh, in IEP meetings with teams and, you know, arguing a little bit uh, or advocating f- with parents and families just to get a kid a Chromebook in his hand for six months. Okay. And then we get that Chromebook in his hand and he's carrying it around for another six months. Nobody tells him what to do with it. Then he leaves it in his locker. Now he's getting in trouble for not bringing it to class. Okay. Okay. But why did we ask for because he needed text to speech, speech to text, he needed an audible app to listen to books. Uh, You know, he's not stupid. He has processing problems, you know, and it's just simple stuff. But now in real time, the schools, the teachers, the administrators, um, they're all seeing the need for these applications. They're all using these applications. Yes, okay. Yes. I mean, that's like I said, I'm like, I advocated for a family for six months to get a Chromebook and those six months for them to show them how to use it. And now all of a sudden we have a virus and the entire population can learn this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how crazy is this? Right. At, at the beginning, I was like, this is insane. But now we've been through it and we've seen they've put a, they've been we've been able to put a Chromebook in everybody's hand almost. You know, I mean, depends uh, where you are across this country, and and yeah, unfortunately, there are families they don't have internet, they don't have they don't have access to these things. We're we're in more affluent areas, and we're able to have that. Okay, uh, sorry about that. Um, but this is eye opening to everyone. You know that we can go back and say, see this. You know, some of these kids with the IEPs. The accommodations, the modifications, uh, and the applications that they need to use to make things easier for them or give them access to their learning. That's what it's all about, access to their learning. We now have the proof in the pudding. So, you know, COVID has been a bit of a blessing in disguise in that area, I can see, and I'm sure many others. Uh, we, We all want it to be over. We want our kids to be able to interact with each other face to face we're all suffering i think emotionally socially uh, psychologically from it if not medically um but it has given us some answers to some things and you know so we got to look on the bright side with a lot of stuff and say what do we have what did we get what accomplishment
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: uh, that's what they say, you know. Don't 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 ask your kid. Well, how was school today? You know, ask specifically. Mm-hmm. What was the best thing that happened today? You know, what did you learn that you didn't know before? Um, specifically, you know, what, what did you do in math today? What
0: funny thing happened in English today? What was what was the
1: cafeteria food like? Exactly. Did somebody okay. smile at you? Did some did someone have a bad day? Did you have right. a bad day? Why? Yeah. You know, more specific questions, and uh we can we can help our children this way. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of the kids I work with that with would, the that would ADHD or the behavioral problems. That's my area of focus. Mm-hmm. Is, is is I find a lot of us that that it's it's an attention seeking thing. You know, um, I substituted for like ten years, and and every time I walked into a school, they go, "Oh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we know we called you for this, but we want you to go there." Which was usually Mm -hmm. the behavioral class. Okay. Yeah. And because, you know, if I was in there, then they didn't see them in the office. They didn't have any problems. But why was that? Is because I met them where they were. I gave them respect. I gave them the attention. And I would tell them if they were high school kids, you know, and look, they called me psycho sub. (laughs) What are you staring at? You're psycho. What do you I said, well, I'm staring at you. Well, why are you staring at me? I'm like, because you want my attention. Right. And You're
0: why do act- they want that attention? What's the what's the behavior behind that? I mean, what's the communication behind that attention seeking behavior?
1: I'm trying to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. OK, so what is it yep. you need instead of, you know, pushing the desk, bugging your buddy, tapping or whatever. Tell me what you need. Put words behind. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. And, uh, when you meet these kids where they are, eye to eye, that's, you know, they're like, wow, somebody sees them. Yep, and, uh, that
0: that is huge right there. Linda, can different. you um, write a comment in our comment section? Do you have that option on your screen?
1: I uh, know I don't think I do.
0: Okay, I know you had the option to share a screen, but I've never, oh, I never—I don't I think I've ever asked one of my. So oh, what I, Yeah,
1: here we go.
0: Okay, so what I would like for you to do, I'm going to wrap up here. Um, And I would like for you to put your contact information, that way it'll show up in the replays and it'll show up on YouTube. So if somebody um, is looking for a master IEP coach and you think that Linda is um, the person that you want to use, I mean, you can see her stuff behind her, but it will be clearer um, and more available to you if if you go ahead and put that in the comment section um, so thank you. I don't know
1: if I can, I'll try that, but you know, okay. we'll see what if
0: not, um, I will get that from her and I will put that, but it, in case it doesn't show up, um, how can they contact you really quickly? You, you mentioned it earlier. What Facebook? is phone number
1: here? Nine, seven, three, five, three, four, three, four, zero, two, uh, is a direct number. You can leave a message. I have a Facebook page, which is uh, special needs IEP coach, uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I have a website okay okay it's www.specialeducation.com or specialneedsnewjersey.com okay it it says new jersey but i do service the nation uh, Mm -hmm. because the federal laws are the same your district might be a little bit different it's new jersey because that's when i started 16 17 years ago right started in just new jersey and and we've just evolved yeah. Yeah. So
0: for so, anybody um, who right. wants to reach out, I have typed in Linda's name. Um, so if you didn't get the information and uh, you didn't replay that to rewind it to see where um, her information is specifically, you can just Google Linda Leinstra and I'm sure it will pull up. Um, I want to thank you again, Linda, for joining me today. It's been wonderful to chat with you. Um, for anyone who is watching and you like this video, um, give it a thumbs up, leave us a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, You can also give it a thumbs up there. Join Share it with
1: someone you know might need some help.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Um, Make sure that uh, you join me Friday at 1 o'clock Central Time. I will be doing another Friday with Fran. I love Fridays Um, with Fran. I forget what we're talking about. She and Uh I, we did figure it out, but now I don't remember what it is. Um, So you just have to tune in and be surprised. We should call Um, it fun,
1: Fun Fridays with Fran because I really enjoy that.
0: Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that there are people who watch. I enjoy. Uh, we, she, and I enjoy each other, and and we have fun with each other. And we're normally on about an hour after the presentation or the chat is over with, just continuing to chat about other things. Right. So, thank you so much, Linda. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you for joining. Thank us. you for uh, inviting me on. Absolutely.